0: I'm Katie. Welcome to Talking With Cancer. Thanks so much for being here. I started the podcast back in February 2022 when I was diagnosed with a rare type of thyroid cancer called hobnail. And it was a way to keep my close friends and family up to date with my diagnosis and treatment. And that's evolved into what is now season three, where each week it's me plus a guest discussing all things about cancer. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello lovely listeners. I can't believe I'm at the end of season three. This is episode 15 but it's also sort of a wrap-up episode which is what I've been doing at the end of each season. I guess there's a couple of things really that I wanted to share today I thought I'd update you on where I'm at. Isn't it interesting how the season sort of comes to an end and it's quite a significant point in my treatment, actually. So the last few weeks, yeah, they've been really tough and I've been really anticipating the build-up to coming off the targeted treatment that I've been taking on trektinib it's called. And that treatment has mainly been treating the ROS1 gene, which is the mutating gene that turned on the thyroid cancer in the first place. And the type of thyroid cancer that I have is hobnail. It's a very rare type of thyroid cancer. So in March 2022, I was put on that treatment. And fast forward a couple of months, I had a big surgery to remove the thyroid And take out 100 lymph nodes from my neck. Because the treatment had been effective enough to shrink the cancer. To make it operable. And then I went back on entrectinib, And my expectation was always that this treatment... I knew that it didn't last forever. I knew that it is a treatment that at some point the cancer becomes resistant to. Or another way of looking at it is that the cancer evolves... But I was quite surprised, I think my team were quite surprised that, you know, fast forward to January. So it really, from when I started back on the treatment, which was in August to January, it's been effective. And then it's stopped working to the point that the cancer actually started to progress. And that was my most recent scan showed that. So, of course, my amazing medical team all put their thinking hats on and they discussed me in their multidisciplinary team meeting, their MDT, and they decided, in particular my amazing oncologist, Dr Kate Newbold at the Royal Marsden, decided, let's change tact, Let's focus on the thyroid cancer and the cancerous cells themselves. Let's switch to a different type of treatment. It's similar in the sense that it is also a targeted treatment. But essentially what it's going to do is sort of reduce the blood supply that the cancer feeds off I think that's right it's probably a lot more complex than that but it's along those lines that it's basically kind of shutting off anything that's going to feed the thyroid cancer so what I was kind of waiting on this week which filled me with a lot of anxiety actually anxiety that meant I was like really in my head a lot and really on edge I could feel that I was on edge the way that I was responding to Dinch my husband like I was a bit short with him and a bit nudgy with him and I felt a little bit manic as well I had a lot of this kind of manic energy and I think it's so interesting like where we hold emotion in our body and how we respond even like subconsciously to events that we know are coming Part of that anxiety was because I knew that I had to have a biopsy. So one of the things that my team wanted to do was say, right, let's have a look at the cancer and take a look at the cells and see, are we still dealing with the same cancer that we've been dealing with all along? My last biopsy was around the diagnosis time. So when I got diagnosed in February 2022 there was a lot of uncertainty around what is this type of cancer? Because it's so rare, you know, they really had to kind of look at it quite strongly, quite thoroughly, I should say. And so part of that diagnosis, I had to have what's called a core biopsy. And the experience I had in February last year was really, was actually quite traumatic. I'm not going to play it down. It was a really horrible experience. Now, I will say it wasn't done at the Royal Marsden, it was done at the previous hospital where I originally got my diagnosis. I was going into this biopsy this week with all the fears because of the experience that I had had them. So, what it involves is well, first of all, what you do is you go in to quite a kind of dark lit room where there's a radiographer and with an ultrasound he is looking at the area where he could potentially find a cancerous lymph node which is what i have many of to take a biopsy from. So when you go in and you lie down, the first thing that he's doing is having a good old look around with the ultrasound to find something that's obviously sizable enough that he can take a biopsy from. So he's doing that. So then he decides, okay, this is the area I'm going to go for. Now, in my case, he decided to go for an area on the left side of my neck. Now, since my surgery. It's very usual with a neck surgery and I had a full neck dissection. There are still parts of that area that are completely numb. So I can't feel anything that like your nerves would respond to. So when he told me I'm going to go in on the left side of your neck, I was like, wow, amazing. I'm not going to feel anything. So he put some anaesthetic in. I couldn't even feel that needle going in because it's literally, it's already anaesthetised. And then what he does is he goes in with some kind of, I don't know if you know what the implement is, but it's like a plunger. And he does a... (laughs) click sound with this machine and it basically is taking out some of the cells he has to go quite deep in I think that's why it's called a core biopsy and he did that three times and then the lovely nurse kind of held the dressing over that area over that wound for 10 minutes which is really significant the more compression you put on a wound obviously like the quicker it stops bleeding so on reflection, it really was not as bad as I thought. And I think sometimes having that anaesthetic leave you feeling a little bit shaky and a little bit wobbly. And I'd had prior to that, I'd had like all the blood tests that I needed, urine test, ECG, in order for my oncologist to give me my new medication. So they need to see that all my bloods are obviously kind of within the right range in order to hand over the meds. So yeah, I went to see Dr. Newbold after I'd had all these tests and all my bloods looked fine. The ontrectinib has been out of my system for like three or four days and I have been drinking loads of water and just doing what I can, eating really healthy to try and flush out all the toxins from the ontrectinib and I'm going to give it a couple more days before I start the new treatment which is called lenvatinib because... I have this wound now on my neck where the biopsy was. And when you take these kind of drugs, it can affect like the healing of wounds and bleeding and stuff. So I just want to give it a couple more days. And, you know, I'm conscious of the fact that I'm not on any treatment and I have cancer, but it doesn't feel like a really long period that there's going to be, you know, a dramatic progression without that treatment. So I am taking 24 micrograms of lenvatinib and it's very usual that they decrease that dose, particularly if you have bad side effects. So I'm gonna be monitored quite closely over the first few weeks of taking the treatment just to see how am I feeling, what am my blood saying, just to give that space and time to tweak it if necessary. Yeah, it's kind of going into a new chapter, I guess, on this journey, and I really don't know what that's going to look like and what that's going to feel like. So I'm just trying to really be kind to myself and take it easy. And like I said last week, you know, I'm looking outward as well. I'm looking at where else I can get the help and support I need for my healing journey, if you like. That's how I feel about it. We shall see how things unfold. And as ever, if you want to follow my progress, then I'm on Instagram at talking underscore with cancer but I wanted to talk to you about season three part of the wrap up is obviously talking about the amazing guests that I've had on this season I'm going to play you little clips as I go along been such a brilliant season when I think back you know initially I had Lots of concerns like how was this going to be just me chatting on my own into a microphone and obviously speaking to a guest each week but not having the lovely Claire here to kind of guide me through. And I think that... What she did, without a doubt, was really warm me up in series one and two. So I'm so grateful, Claire, for that. And I've just loved chatting to all my amazing guests. It's been really varied. So in episode one, entitled Hopeful, I spoke to the wonderful Dr. Paul Hoang, who is at the Institute of Cancer Research. And I'm going to play a little clip from that interview now
1: many of these surveys is that as you know as you with with aging and also environmental you know things like uv radiation our bodies are constantly accumulating uh, mutation damage and repairing so they are constantly accumulating mutations and one of the challenges is that the vast majority of these mutations um, have no effect and this is what we call Uh, passenger mutations but there are
0: (laughs) they're just uh, along for the ride (laughs) they're just along for the ride yeah so yeah really interesting guy and obviously I was so interested in his knowledge about gene mutation and targeted therapy because that's exactly where I'm at so I loved chatting to Paul and then in episode two we spoke to my lovely friend Deborah Berryman in the episode entitled Cosmic Soup She's just one of those, well, she's a teacher, she's a yoga teacher, she's a meditation teacher, so she's got a lot of knowledge and experience in that space, but she's just so wise and I was just so lucky to have this beautiful time with her.
1: Emotion is the trigger for mental patterns, so we feel something and our way of trying to cope with the feeling is to think our way out of it, for the mind to start obsessing and, you know, planning and... All that kind of stuff. So, the mind is a little bit of a distraction. So, when I come to meditation, it's giving the mind some time to quiet down so that I can drop into what I'm really feeling. And it's kind of like getting underneath the layers. So, my mind might be telling me a story about how, you know, I spoke to Katie yesterday and she said this thing and I think she's being really selfish and, you know, all those kind of storylines. And once I allow that to quieten down, underneath that, what is more true. Is that I feel hurt, and what is more true is that I'm worried that she doesn't really hold me in high regard, or she doesn't value my relationship. And underneath all of that, I believe that I'm not worth friendship or love.
0: We all do that, don't we? We all let our minds tell us stories that aren't true and aren't real. Jump to episode three. Influencer Carly Musa, who I didn't really know that well at the time. We discussed sort of how she feels about the title of social media influencer and the world of social media and the cancer community. What's been lovely is that Carly and I have met up a couple of times since the chat and we just get on so well. She's a lovely person and someone that I feel very lucky to have as a friend. Here's what we chatted about. There is no right or wrong way to do cancer, right? Like I've got, my older sister
1: was diagnosed with ovarian cancer five months before me. She did not put any post out on social
0: media. It was like her nearest and dearest knew and she just was getting on with it. And then there was me like jazz hands, like here I am at chemo again, everyone. You know, it's, we both, faced it and it's like Mm. there's no right or wrong you can connect with thousands of people you might never want to talk about it to to anybody like yeah very good advice like be smart with social media whatever your situation in episode four entitled integrate I spoke to Vicky Fox who's a yoga for cancer teacher and again a bit like with Carly you know since the interview I've been regularly doing Vicky's yoga classes on a Sunday online and they're gorgeous. She teaches yoga all week. She does workshops and maybe she'll do a yoga for cancer retreat, who knows? But here's a bit of our chat too. When we went
1: on to Zoom yoga with lockdown, that's when I realized, I mean, I was sort of teaching these classes
0: for cancer, but I realized really what people come in with, they don't come in and say, I've got breast cancer, or can you help me with my breast cancer? Or I've got bowel cancer. What they come in with is, I've got breast cancer and I'm suffering with these side effects at the moment. Can you help me with my side effects? Because a lot of people don't know if they have cancer. Sometimes people just discover they have cancer through a routine mammogram or MRI or something. So So that's what's really smart about the way Vicky teaches, actually, is that it's really looking at the side effects that people feel from the treatment they're on. That's a lot of the focus of her yoga classes. She's created such a lovely community of classes, by the way. In episode five, Matters of the Heart, I spoke to my wonderful cardiologist, Dr. Alex Lyon. And the reason I have a cardiologist is because the type of cancer treatment I take can affect the heart. In fact, the new cancer treatment that I'm going on, lenvatinib, can also impact on the heart. So I've been seeing him pretty much ever since my diagnosis, ever since I started the Entrectinib in March 2022. He's such a smart guy. Here's what he had to say.
1: The answer is no. Cardiology cannot possibly see every patient who's coming through the cancer services, wherever they live in the world. But we don't need to. So what we do is first of all say, does a cancer treatment have the potential to cause a heart problem? And we know the ones that do, it's a long list every few months, a new drug gets licensed, goes on the bottom of the list and it's getting longer and longer.
0: So if you are on cancer treatment, that is a really good question to ask actually, like whether this is known to have an impact on your heart. Oh, talking of heart, (laughs) my heart is so full when I think about this episode with my best friend, entitled Best Friends, her name's also Katie, and it was just so special to get her to chat to me on the pod, it's a really beautiful episode. And I got amazing response to this episode, actually. I think it really resonated with people. You know, if you've got a best friend going through this, then what's it like for them? And what's it like for your relationship? We really shared a lot on that topic. And the
1: other was that, of course, you'd had this little gland that had been dismissed. And I remember the week before the diagnosis going for lunch, we were sitting at a cafe and you said, it's really got bigger, Katie, and you pulled your hair back. And I, for a second, lost my breath because we spend all our time with the people closest to us. And I sometimes think that means that we don't see. We see the person we love. We don't see the little details. We don't see the change. And I think
0: seeing the growth in your neck at that point was just a real shock. She makes such a good point as well in that, you know, like checking yourself checking your neck checking people close to you like looking at them what do they do they look different anywhere can you see anything I know it sounds ridiculous but I think so much about how much sooner I could have got myself checked out if I'd have just been a little bit more mindful of my neck basically so check your neck check your neck check your neck Episode seven, I talked to uh, Garo Arman, he's the founder of Agenus, and they use immunotherapy science to help treat and cure cancer. So yeah, this was really amazing chat as well. Quite sciencey, but yeah, so much new stuff that I'd never known about before. The future. I mean, you've been working in the future all of this time. That's what it sounds like. You are the future, Garrow. <laughs> what does it look like? How close are we to where we want to be? How near are we to your vision?
1: I think, Katie, we have begun the process.
0: Amazing. And it's not a
1: pie in the sky. It's real. For example, in our meetings with some of the leaders around the world. And I'm not talking about one or two people. I'm talking about dozens of experts. When they see the results that you're achieving, they call it unprecedented.
0: Oh, I mean, what they do there sounds incredible. And also what motivated him to work in that space you'll have to listen to the episode to get more of a sense of that Carolyn Garrett you lovely lady this is episode eight entitled oomph and I met Caroline through Maggie's which is the cancer charity it's one of the cancer charities that I support Maggie's center there a lot of them all over the UK and they're a place to go for anyone impacted by cancer Carolyn takes the fitness classes the exercise classes and the Nordic. Walking, which is something that I do most Mondays on Hampstead Heath, which is just gorgeous. Here's a little excerpt from our chat.
1: Most of the evidence is around the common cancers. What we know about the more common cancers is certainly in breast, prostate, and bowel cancer. If you are able to be active after a cancer diagnosis, the risk of it coming back is reduced by up to forty percent, zero, which is huge. And Massive. there are drugs that don't perform to that level. So that's always the big picture. For people with secondary cancer, with advanced cancer, what is also known is that it's not curable, you know, but you can live with cancer for a long time. And what we know about, again, if you're able to be active with secondary cancer, is
0: that the exercise can help slow down disease progression. So you may well live longer with it. I really am grateful to Carolyn because she's got me so active with this Nordic walking. And actually there was a really long period at the end of last year where I was doing quite a lot of like fitness and feeling like I was feeling better for doing more exercise. So if you can, I really recommend it. Episode nine, I split into two parts. I came across these two guys, actually, on social media. Adam Manley, who contacted me on Instagram when I first launched the podcast, and he has thyroid cancer and his experience is, is kind of similar to mine in the sense that I think, you know, he had quite a lot of cancer in his lymph nodes and he had to have quite extensive surgery. So we chatted for the first time ever, actually, on the podcast, which was just great. And then the second half of episode nine is with a guy called David Chill, who I came across on a Facebook group for people with ROS1, which is the mutating gene yeah, I'm going to play a little excerpt from both of these interviews.
1: So my partner at the time, he had to, you know, translate a little bit for me, you know, and there was all these words like lymph nodes, ganglion, I never know that word, you know, and all that kind of thing. So I felt a little bit lost and then it was just very much kind of almost straight away. It was like, okay, so we're just going to cut down your chest and we're going to open you up here in your neck. We're going to take out the thyroid, thyroid. You know, we're going to do a neck dissection and we're going to remove the one, you know, the massive tumour here, you know, that we need to remove as oh, well. On no your
0: windpipe, that was. Yeah. yeah. I know because of the ROS1 gene, you know, it can never turn off by itself, which is why you're on the medication. You're still on the treatment. But would you call yourself cancer free? <laughs> I mean, again, it's just terminology. What does it matter? Do you describe yourself as a cancer patient? <laughs> um I tend to, yes, because I feel that once you're in this club, you're in it for life, and it can always come back. I don't like using the word remission. Maybe it's um, a little superstitious, but I don't feel like you really beat cancer, although you know, ten years is pretty good. I'm always wary that something may come back at some point, and it actually I did have an ins- a situation recently where my oncologist noticed last year,
1: hey, you've got a new nodule in your lung.
0: To really open honest chats with two really lovely gentlemen, episode 10, wow, the gorgeous Rebecca Soffer who well I entitled this episode Loss and she wrote the Modern Loss Handbook which I really recommend. We talked all about grief and loss and all the different ways that that shows up and oh my god it was just such a gorgeous chat. She's so articulate and smart and funny and just spot on really. I mean this is a subject close to her own heart for personal reasons, but she's helped so many people navigate their grief. It's really quite remarkable. Here's a clip from that. Why do you think when like the biggest thing that's happening to you You know, why is there an elephant in the room? Like when the biggest thing is happening to you, people around you, they shush it away. They think it's better not to talk about it. Like as though it's going to remind you, as though you'd forgotten for a second. Right, right. As though,
1: yeah, as though like the worst possible thing will happen if you bring up their loss, which, you know, it's like by the by, the worst thing already happened, (laughs) which was the loss, the illness, the grief.
0: You're not making it any worse, I guarantee you. There's no possible human way that you can make it any worse by bringing it up. Thanks so much, Rebecca. It was a great chat and we hope to meet up. I think she's going to come from London. She's in Austin, actually. She's based in Austin. Yeah, I'd love to get together with her. Episode 11, genes, the very clever Trevor, Professor Trevor Graham from the Institute of Cancer Research, who looks at the evolution of cancer genes Yeah, again, like the Institute of Cancer Research have just been amazing, actually. I've got a really great rapport with them and it's just brilliant that I can have some of their people on here as guests. So here's what Trevor and I chatted about. Ultimately, it just learns and don't tell me cancer's clever, Trevor, because I hear that all the time. (laughs) I don't want to hear that cancer's clever, but ultimately, does it just get used to the drug? Is that kind of what happens? I don't think
1: it is clever, you know, I don't think cancers are clever. And I think our language is actually wrong here. We give the cancer an agency, like it's smart and it learns right. its way around. the That's drug. why
0: I don't like that. I don't like calling it clever. Thank you. Oh, wow. You're the first person <laughs> that said that professional. But has, <laughs> so,
1: yeah. The cancer has no agency. The reason that the drugs stop working after a while is
0: because the cancer evolves. So a the, the cancer is made up of many different cells and every cell is a little bit different in the tumour to every other cell. I love how he agreed with me that we don't call cancer clever. And also specifically the language you use, that's something I talk about in season two when I chat to Kate Newbold, my oncologist. Isn't language just so important in how we are spoken to by the medical team? Just little words can make such a huge difference. Like I found changing the word rare to unusual or aggressive to progressive. I don't know, there's little tweaks that really were effective for me when I kind of talk to different medical professions about what's going on. Episode 12, entitled Death Doula, kind of says it all. And this... Woman Emma Clare was just, oh, just like a real breath of fresh air. I just loved her whole outlook on death and dying and what an amazing career path that she's chosen to be a death doula and to help people understand like what they want their death to look like and feel like and not just for them, but for the people around them. It's definitely something that I'm going to look into for myself And anyone can. You don't have to have, like, a really bad diagnosis to look into having a death dealer. Like, we are all going to die. Anyone can think about that and plan for that at any time in their life. Here's a little clip from that episode. Looks different depending on who
1: you're supporting because all of us offer practical and emotional support and some of us offer spiritual support as well. So we would always start with a conversation with the person and those around them so we don't just support the person who's dying but you know that might be family it might be friends and ask the big questions you know what really matters to you now what are your priorities getting to know that person so you can advocate for them
0: I think one of the myths that I'd really like to bust is that a big part of the training That was a really great chat, and I've sort of left me, it was made a real impact on me, made me think a lot about death and not be so scared of death and dying. And it's something that I think about a lot more than I used to. I used to try not to think about it, but now I allow myself to engage with it and I feel less scared because of that. I spoke to a really interesting lady on episode 13 entitled Progression. And that's Mary Daly, who is the founder and CEO of Cancer Education UK. She's doing really amazing things, helping the Bema community to understand more about a cancer diagnosis and getting tested early and going to doctors and breaking down a lot of the stigmas and the myths that exist around cancer. So I think she's doing some brilliant work and here's a clip from that
1: but i think the most important thing is that the way and i always say this the way two people would receive their cancer diagnosis is so different so someone who comes from an ethnic minority background the last person they are thinking about is themselves when they hear they've got cancer they're thinking about the society they're thinking about you know family back home they're thinking about okay they're still going to be able to work because most of the time they're most likely supporting one so many different peoples and how is that going to affect them as a whole?
0: Oh, the context in which you get a diagnosis is so relevant. And of course, like how you deal with sharing that news with people around you. I mean, not everyone can do what I did and start a podcast, right? But that's why I did this podcast. I got my diagnosis and I decided rather than try and update people close to me, I would record a conversation with my friend Claire and we would send that out to my nearest and dearest as a Zoom link. And that's how this began. Episode 14, Triumph, with the wonderful comedian and host of Channel 4's The Last Leg, Adam Hills, MBE. We had such an honest chat. He's just... I mean, I want to say positive, but there's more, there's more than that. He's just, I love his outlook on life. It's just wonderful. And Adam and I have known each other for some time, and I knew that his father had sadly died from cancer. And so I wanted to speak to him about that experience. And here's a clip from that episode. The fact that he didn't, or we ended our, you know, everything on a high note.
1: And then, you know, even the day he died, and this is ridiculous to say, was
0: like, it was a beautiful day. It was a Sunday. They put him up into a room that had views over Sydney. His brother was there, my mum, myself.
1: We all came and said our goodbyes. You know, his dad, I mean, his dad's still alive now.
0: So my granddad's 104. Wow. So he had to go through all of that. And, Mm. you know, I got to say to my dad, look, you know, my brother Brad, he's at home with Pa, we're gonna
1: look after him.
0: Well, I have to say, without sounding, I don't know, too arrogant, I'm so proud of what Claire always calls this body of work. And I do it because I love it. I love doing this podcast. I've loved speaking to all these different interesting people. I've learned so much. I've also opened up the opportunity for people with their own cancer story to send me a voice note. And I've created a little community called Voices with Cancer, and I hope to grow that. So if you do have a cancer story yourself that you'd like to share with me, then please get in touch, email me, hello at talkingwithcancer.com. Because in season four, I want really want to continue that. I feel like this is a great place to provide a platform for people to share their story and feel heard. And so I'm so grateful to all the people that have contributed to that for season three. And yeah, season four is upon us. I've got some really exciting plans for season four, but what I want to do is give myself a little bit of space. I'm now obviously moving into new treatment and I want to just see how that is and see how I'm feeling. And I also want to put all the right Of energy into the new season, and it's going to be I mean, I'm so excited, it's going to be something really great, and I really hope that you enjoy it. I've mentioned this before if you like the pod and you would like to donate something, then I have a fundraising page. If you go to my website, which is just talkingwithcancer.com. You can click through to the fundraising page and I raise money for the Royal Marsden Cancer Charity, but specifically going towards research into thyroid cancer. And I also raise money for the Maggie Centre, which I've already mentioned, they're based all over the UK and beyond, I believe, they're a brilliant centre centre that is a lovely space for people to go who are impacted by cancer in some way. So yeah, as a way of sort of donating something, just think of it as like a subscription that you might pay for Netflix or Spotify or any other kind of platform that you pay to receive content on. So thank you so much for being here this series and for all your input and lovely messages and support. And continuing to listen and to share this with people that you think might like it. Honestly, it's meant so, so much. And I'm excited to catch you guys again when season four comes. Watch this space. Lots of love and take care. Bye.